Hello and good evening to everybody out there. This is Amateur Radio Roundtable. It's a show about ham radio. We're coming to you from Collierville, Tennessee tonight. Want to uh, welcome everybody out there, especially if you're listening on International Shortwave on WBCQ on 7490 kilohertz. We'd love to hear from you. <clears throat> Let us know where in the world you are and how you're hearing the station and how you found us and so forth. Uh, if you will, send an email to Tom at W5KUB.com. Tom at W5KUB. Dot com. Would really appreciate hearing from you. And uh, <clears throat> hey, if you're listening to the podcast out there, you know a lot of people just listen to the podcast. We're carried just about by every podcast carrier there is out there: iTunes, Onet Radio, uh, Google Play. All of, all the guys uh, are carrying us. So if you're listening out there, we don't hear you to hear too much from you guys. Send us an email. One guy last week did send me an email. Send me an email. I'd like to hear from you if you listen to uh, the podcast there. That would be great. Uh, again, you're, we're coming to you on shortwave uh, from uh, WBCQ up in Monticello, Maine there on uh, 74, uh, 90 kilohertz. About 50,000 watts. Nothing just really big, but uh, it, it is heard in a number of countries. So we'd love to hear from you. Uh, let's see. Uh, hey, just a couple house cleaning things real quick. If you will, if you will, hit the subscribe button. We really need you to hit the subscribe button. And I'm going to give you a little help here. I'm going to put a little arrow down that way. Let's see if I can change that. I think that subscribe button is more like right about there. Let me move that down a little bit. Move it over there. Yeah. Hit that subscribe button. That'll help us out a whole lot to uh, advertise our show. You know, a lot of our viewers find us from the YouTube advertisement, and uh, that's uh, that's kind of cool. So the more people we subscribe, the more uh, YouTube will actually, uh, you know, uh, let people know about our show when you're <coughs> surfing around in, in YouTube. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, hey, join our Facebook group. We've got a great Facebook group. Uh, you know, uh, Facebook has changed things from its private to public now. and They've, they've kind of messed everything up. It works different now. So we're not going to really get a count anymore of, of who we have in a group because it's a public group now. That means anybody can see it. But uh, last count, we had about 13,000 hams that had registered and joined our group. So... Um, uh, we got a great group of ham radio uh, guys and girls and shortwave listeners in here. And uh, uh, join our ham radio group. It's just called W5KUB. Just search in uh, Facebook for W5KUB and you'll find it there. And uh, uh, we'll, we'll add you right into the group there. So uh, let's see. Uh, that's about all the announcements there. Um Let's uh, let's jump over and see what Glenn's got going. Uh, Glenn's in here. Good afternoon, Glenn. How are you doing tonight, man? Hey, Tom. Doing real good. Um, you know, this is my day that I have to go into the office, so you know, managed to sneak out and <clears throat> survive another day. But uh, right now, we're just going. You know, both barrels on the on the new book that's due to be in their hands uh, by the uh, first of the year. You know, end of December. 
So we're we're just going as fast as we can on that, and hopefully we'll get that done in time. Uh, been thinking up and working on a couple new projects and things like that. So it's it's full speed ahead now that winter's here and we're not roasting and cooking inside the house. All right, well, very good, man. So you had to work today. What are you working at? Three days a week at the office? Yeah, I go in three days a week and I work from home <clears> too. Yeah, you know, kind of, kind of. I don't know. I guess. I'm not saying we get lazy, but, hey, when you work at home for a couple of years, you just don't want to go in the office, right? Yeah, and that's pretty much the way it is. You know, you get used to being able to sleep in and don't have to dress up. You can, you know, stay in your pajamas all day and just sip coffee all day and, you know, just yeah. relax. Hey, hey, I loved it when I would work at home. Uh, you know, hey, you don't have to get up and shave. You don't have to comb your hair. You know, you don't have to do any of that stuff, man. Yeah, I yeah. mean any 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 Zoom meetings or or whatever that we have are all without video, so you know I don't oh, really? have to get cleaned up at all. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Well. Cool. Yeah, but you do get used to not going into work and <clears throat> driving to work three days a week now, and kind of like this is rough, particularly with the Memphis traffic. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean they're they're crazy. You'll uh, retire one of these days, like I am, and uh, you'll get really busy then, man. You won't even have time to write books when you retire. You'll be so busy. Actually, I'll be so busy <coughs> writing books, I won't have time for anything. I've else. got I've got a lot of things going on. Uh, hey, all the time. Now. I don't really have a lot of time to do much of anything. I'm just so I, busy. I understand. Man. I'm yeah. kind of the same way. Just so busy. Well, you know we. Uh, I'm hearing some noise. I don't don't know what that's coming from. Uh, I'm not hearing it. You know, we uh, we uh, had your form on here last week. And didn't get a chance to uh, you know turn it over to uh, people out in the the chat room if they had questions. I don't know if anybody has emailed you or or contacted you, but guys, uh, we've got uh, hey, we're live tonight with Glenn. And if you have questions from last week about uh, his uh arduino the next generation that he talked about put a note in the chat room here we'll be glad to uh answer that for you tonight on the show and um and also uh you'll get a chance uh when we go to after the show show guys after hey probably around nine o'clock we'll go to the after the show show and that is where amateur radio roundtable ends and uh the smorgasbord starts we'll talk about anything and everything and we'll uh we'll let you on uh let you enter uh, into uh into the show uh through zoom through a zoom link and you'll actually be on the live webcast uh with us so uh we're looking forward uh to that um a couple things i i hey hey glenn i got my man to show you how busy i am show you Hey, I did get my uh, antennas, uh, my rotors. Well, that's not it. I did get my rotors fixed uh, out, out there. I put me a new uh, a new base out there and painted it this time. And um, the man, the other one was so rotten. You take your yeah. hand, you take your hand and just break it. And I I didn't paint it when I put it up here. So uh, hopefully, hopefully this one will uh, last a few more years. But that holds uh, that holds my antenna system up. Again, guys, you know, for satellite work, it doesn't have to be high. I've got a you know fairly convenient place on that little flat roof over my back porch, and um, 
you know, a, a satellite antenna works just as good on the ground as it would 100 feet in the air, uh, pretty much. So, pretty uh, much, yeah. Yeah, so there you go. There's the uh, antennas. Looks like they're pointing up at about, a, I don't know, 40 degrees or so uh, elevation there. Uh, and uh, so I've got both the azimuth and the elevation rotors working. I haven't had time yet to even hook uh, the coax up to the new 9700 and, uh, and listen around. You know, I've got to interface that to the computer for the uh, satellite program. We're going to use, uh, uh, I think it's called uh, uh, PCSAT32. That's what most, right. peop- most <laughs> people are using now. So Glenn, uh, now you got your uh, you got your ninety seven hundred in in this past week, didn't you? Yeah, I did, but it's still in the box. Yeah, well, I am that, clearing off shelf space for it. You know, so hopefully <clears throat> in the next week or two, it'll at least be on the shelf and it'll be hooked up. Yeah, but, uh, so you know, same thing here. I mine sit in a box for about four weeks before I even opened it. Of course, we had COVID. When you have COVID, you don't really feel like opening a box and. Yeah, anything like that, and I sure didn't want to get any COVID germs on it there. Hey, well, hey. you know, I've got the one hundred and one <clears throat> sitting right here, and it's about ready to go up on its shelf. Yeah, hey, you know, uh, and that's an ICOM rig. You're a Yezu guy too, right? Yeah, you're a Yezu guy. Hey, I, I ran into something today. I want to read this to people. Did you know that Yezu has gone vegan? Did you know that? No. Well. They have, and let me see if I can bring this up. And I, you know, I, I, I just saw it today. I can't tell you, you know, much about it. Uh, but let me bring this up, and we're going to talk about this just for a second. <clears throat> this is, uh, this is interesting. So uh, here's uh, uh, one of the clubs up in Canada uh, had an article today about uh, about Yezu uh, USA going ve- vegan, vegan. It says, uh, you know, amateur radio has existed in a bubble uh, for decades. Uh, but, you know, now we got many younger people in ham radio. And they're at Dayton this year. Now, I did not see them. But in Dayton this year, there was obviously a, a young group that had a booth there. And uh, they uh, were kind of protesting. Uh the parts of ham radio where you know it kind of affected animals and 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 i don't know all this stuff so look at this so uh let me just hit a couple live points here let's see it all started the 2022 hamvention when a small booth uh off uh, a quieter part, part of the part of the convention where a small group of young hams led by 16 year old ka6 veg uh lobbied for changes uh for change uh it says burnett claims that much of amateur radio equipment is made with little or no concern for animal welfare or the monetization of animals as a commodity now i'm not sure i'm even reading this right but uh amateur radio amateur radio Little or no concern for animal welfare. Um, well, the last I heard, I don't think we use animals in our hobby. Well, Yezu, you know, this, this is this. Maybe you've let's got listen. an SWR analyzer or a power meter that, you know, yeah. stick it in a side of beef or something. Well, listen to this, though. Yezu, USA representative, 
Miko Maruya uh, took notice, and he has pledged to the young operators that Yezu has taken their concerns seriously and will be developing future product lines with veganism in mind. So, your radios, your Yezu radios are going to change because they're going to be starting to be designed now with veganism. Uh, yeah, with veganism. So, I'm going to have politically correct radios. So, let's see what we got here. Person. Let's see what we got here. Uh, uh, Mary Rua uh, says that Yezu will be developing future product lines with these goals in mind, and he is quite uh, certain most major radio manufacturers will be forced to adopt these measures. I'm having to read uh, a monitor that's about 10 feet away from me, and it's, it's right. small here. Listen to this. Okay, so here, no animal testing of products. I didn't know we tested animals with, with our radios. I mean, no. I mean, maybe a monkey to turn a dollar i mean yeah maybe yeah maybe a month oh, I, you know, know i love the uh you know um gluten-free radios well have you seen that on here yeah Look, they're I, they're going to use soy-based semiconductors and other components also free of gluten that's right uh, the biodegradable solders that'll dissolve harmlessly uh don't we already have that with the silver solders i mean i i, I don't know but you know you know what um yeah, hey, I'm not saying this is true. I'm not saying it's false. I'm just saying I, I ran across it today, and uh, the way things are going, I believe it. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I believe that people think this stuff. You know? Yeah. Well, see, I'm just kind of surprised that they let the word ham stand in all of that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, you should have gone yeah, after hey, the probably, ham. Yeah, hey, yeah. next uh, we'll be changing the name ham because that comes from an animal. We right. can't we can't be hams anymore. Uh, I don't know what what, what would we be uh, stumps or something like a tree stump or I mean, yeah yeah you know, who who knows I don't know man I don't know no I don't think it was written April first I, I I that was one of the first things that came to my mind is this is an April Fool's thing it may have been who knows who knows man but anyway I thought that would be uh kind of something neat to bring up tonight and uh yeah so uh let's see uh I'll just actually to be honest with the the diet my doctors have me on, I'm about as close to vegan as you can get without being a vegan. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I don't know. It may be, you know, there's no date. There's no, you know, you know, Glenn, one of the things that, oh, no, there's a date right there. Uh, 9-15-2022. There you go. That so that not does not appear. Let's see. Let me show you that. That does not appear to be. That does not appear to be a uh, uh, April Fool's April date Fools, no. right there for sure. So I don't know, man. I don't know. But anyway, yeah. And, and Bill in the chat room, what what are the Flying Pigs QRP Club gonna do? Well, you're gonna have well, to ground the pigs for one thing. I don't know, but you know, you know, there's such things. Fluff. Yeah, I mean, a pig can fly. I mean, oh yes. Hey, I, hey, in the Air Force, I learned if you put enough thrust behind anything, it can fly. Can fly, yes, that's right, man. Yeah, that's 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 all you got to do, man. Uh, all right, okay. Well, I thought that was an interesting comment just to kind of start the show with here and uh, uh, let people kind of 
you know, discuss it during the show here. See what kind of uh, <laughs> thoughts uh, they may have. And if any, if any of you guys, you know, find any more information on that, shoot us an email so we can uh, follow up on the show with it and discuss whether or not it's it's true, it's not true. I don't know. Well, you know, I tell you what, I have to say, I'm kind of happy because I went to the store yesterday for groceries and I found sugar-free marshmallows. Sugar-free marshmallows. So I am now very happy. And Mark, no, my cats are not vegan. <laughs> Period. End of story. Well, hey, how I does keep that them sugar? Fed so they don't feed on me. How does that sugar-free t- taste? I mean, they taste okay, or they just kind of. I haven't. Taste- I haven't opened the bag yet. I'm going to wait for the weekend. All right. All right. But uh, they look pretty darn good, and for somebody who's you know, marshmallows are not on my diet. Um, yeah. Period. I mean, that level of sugar would send me into a coma. Yeah. I'm. I'm actually looking forward to that. I found some coconut little coconut cookies the other week, and those actually taste really good, and they're also low carb. Yeah. Well, look, yeah, open I the see. bag and try one on the show. Yeah. No. 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 I I, I see Bill in the chat room. Yeah, okay, in the chat room. I don't know why he didn't connect here tonight. He uh, may be on a, on a super slow again, it may be It may be his internet. It was pretty pretty bad the last time or two. Yeah. But uh, we were, I, I'm going to kind of focus in on a couple, a couple uh, of uh, Pico balloons tonight. And uh, so, Bill, uh, you can put your comments. You can put your comments in the chat room if you can't uh, get into... Uh, into the uh, zoom uh, connection tonight so hey guys one of the things i wanted just to mention to everybody look at this look at this you know w5 kub 112 has been in the, the the mission has been going 115 days 11 hours and 20 minutes that's impressive. Now we lost them. We lost them for about a week when they went up into the Arctic, but they came back. No, down. no, no. They did not go up into the Arctic. They let the transponder tell you it was up. Well, in they the may Arctic. have just they turned it. They Fiji may have just turned it off, off. You know, they may have just turned it off. That that could they have happened. They just turned it off and went to Fiji for a week and so, then decided to make it look right. So, so we're at almost four months on this flight, and and it is still really doing good. I mean, we are still in the forty-seven to forty-eight thousand feet. That's impressive. Yeah. Just, it really is. Just a year or two ago, days. a year or two ago, you couldn't even fly that high. Now right. we've come down that low. We've come down from fifty-one thousand to to that. So we have probably leaked a little bit of hydrogen over four months. Uh, but you know, that is uh, that. This is a county. You know, Huey, Dewey, and Louie uh, is kind of a success story. They've been doing a lot of flights. You know, someone asked uh, someone asked our uh, Facebook group the other day. You know, uh, you know we, we we've had good luck, we've had bad luck. Uh, you know, we've crashed a bunch. Uh, we started flying these balloons about what two or three years ago, and for the show, we've tried to keep one up every month for about three years, and we put a lot of flights up. But uh, uh, Ham asked us, uh, I don't know, a month or so ago. He says, "Tom, you know, you got a lot of failures. What?" Do you doing wrong or what are you doing different than than everybody else well i i don't think we're doing much anything different than anybody else it's just they had better luck than we did and it, it it's luck really that gets you these results here you can do a lot of planning and you can do a lot of measurement and you can 
you can do a lot of uh, mechanical structure to make it solid. And uh, but if you don't have luck, uh, it ain't gonna stay up. I mean, I mean, you can put a thousand dollar pico balloon up there, and it'll it'll uh, it'll burst uh, when it hits float level and come down the same day. So, uh, you know, luck is is one of the things. So we we've had good luck with this flight. The balloons that we've always flown are 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 really aren't made for flying up at forty thousand feet and at uh you know forty uh minus forty degrees temperature. They're just not made for that, you know. Well that's what's so impressive is these are the inexpensive balloons and they're <clears throat> they're holding up extremely well. Yeah, and you know, these balloons they, they don't really have any quality uh checks to them for, for for what we're doing uh, in fact the manufacturer of these balloons that we've, we're using now the manufacturer if you look at it they're mainly for, for parties you know party balloons and right. and they talk about it it'll hold helium for one week so you know they're saying it should hold helium for a week well we've been flying now for four months and it's held our hydrogen now at yeah, that hydrogen is you know what is it uh one electron lower than you know yeah, helium, so yeah, it but should I, leak out easier. Well, I think it doesn't leak out easier because I think what my reading is, and well, here's where we need Bill in here. He's the he's the expert. But, oh, it joins up into an H two module. Yeah, molecule. It, it it basically uh, they they uh, um, what do you call it? They join up and double the yeah. I forget, I forget the word, but or uh, and another thing, they may uh, they may. Uh, stick to the balloon material and 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 and, and, and fill a hole. I don't know, man. But anyway, yeah, anyway, anyway, hey, it's doing good. So uh, let's talk just a little about one twelve. And I'm gonna tell you something. We got some exciting things coming up for our next launch. We're gonna try to do a launch of uh, W5KB one thirteen. Uh, let's see, that's Tuesday, Thursday morning. We're gonna try to Thursday morning uh, launch one thirteen. And it's going to have a lot of neat things in it that we haven't flown before, uh, but there's a lot of risk, and uh, so don't, we're not expecting it to do at 112. Let me pull up 112 here, and uh, let's look at it and see where it is real quick. Um, so... Um, So there we are right now. We're over. Let's see. Let me uh, let me pull this up here. We are over Canada. We are over Canada here. Let me zoom out a little bit. Oh, wrong way. Let me zoom out, and we'll see kind of where we are. There we are. We're we're about mid Canada right now, and we're heading east. And um, um, so far, so good. We're at, that says we're about 47,700 feet or so. Uh, so that's good. Uh, we're not gaining, and we're still pretty high. At 47,000 feet, we have less wind movement up there. Yeah, you're still pretty much above the so, jet stream there. Uh, well, we're doing 20, right now, 23 miles per hour. That's been about the fastest that we have gone. Uh, let's see if we can pull up the... Uh, Ab hub and a prediction on where this thing is going to go uh, after after today. So um, okay, so here we are. Let's put the high split on. Okay, we got the uh, we got the prediction now. 
There we go. Looks like we got a pretty straight shot. Pretty straight shot all the way across the, the Atlantic uh, into Europe there. So that's great uh, if we don't make any detours. Um, and that keeps us down in an area, too, where we got a little bit of sunlight, you know. So um, we're going to... Uh, uh, those dots there represent, I think, 80 hours of flight. So at the, in, in about 80 hours, we should be there at, uh, at Europe. Okay, so one of the things on Flight 112 is, let me tell you a little about Flight 112 and uh, uh, the differences that we're going to have here uh, as we launch 113. So 112... Uh, it's coming in at a whopping 7.8 grams of weight. That's the entire weight of our payload. You know, that includes the tracker, the GPS, the transmitter, the uh, processor, the 20-meter, uh, 34-foot uh, antenna, uh, all the solar cells. All that comes in at 7.8 grams. And if you don't know what a gram is, I mean, uh, I think a penny, I think a penny weighs about two grams. So that's a, that's less than the weight of four pennies, and it's it's pretty small. And you guys have seen our tracker before. That's basically that's it right there. This is a little ten milliwatt. This is the uh, this is the GPS antenna here on top, and then we tack on here a seventeen foot wire that goes up and a seventeen foot wire that goes down. That's our twenty meter antenna. So 10 milliwatts, uh, it, it um, typically has been heard around the world. But we get into some areas where the communications is really bad for several days. Uh, and I'm also suspecting that KUB-112 uh, might have some mechanical problems. We're getting lesser reports. So I'm wondering if the bottom half the antenna has broken off because it just hangs below the tracker. I did some testing here in the yard with the uh, tracker pulled up under a tree with the dipole out there. And, uh, you know, I was getting uh, anywhere from 20 to 40 spots uh, each 10 minutes. And then I cut the bottom antenna off i cut the bottom uh part of the dipole off the, the ground side and my 20 to 40 spots went down to seven spots each time so it was still getting out but it was very much reduced um so i put that back on and i tried uh, the antenna again i i cut the top off which hooks to the rf output and just left the uh, bottom half the seven, uh, bottom half the twenty meter antenna on there. Ran the same test and actually no one heard it except me here at my house, and I was only, you know, a hundred feet from it. So uh, losing the bottom half the antenna gives us kind of uh, the response that we're seeing right now. So I, I think we could have some trouble. But as long as it's still transmitting, and as long as we're getting several tracks per day, we know where it is and it's flying. So I'm okay with that. Now, let's move on. Let's move on to uh, 113. We're going to do 113 here uh, and probably launch it 
uh, uh, Thursday morning. We're going to put gas in it tomorrow afternoon. We're, we're going to put hydrogen in it tomorrow afternoon. Now, uh, 113 is going to have some features that 112 doesn't have. And uh, it's an experimental flight. And uh, the only problem, the only problem is, if you remember, 112 weighed 7.8 grams total. 113 is going to weigh 18 grams. It's heavy. 18 grams. Now, the balloon we're using, I, I put it in a spreadsheet. It says we're going to fly at 45 to 47,000 feet at 18 grams. So I think the balloon can handle it. Uh, with these small balloons, I, I really think you need to stay below 10 grams if you want to be real successful. So we're going with, we're going with 18 grams on this launch. Now, the reason, the reason it's so much heavier is, the reason it's so much heavier is this. We, uh, uh, we have taken, uh, our solar, uh, panels. We've added an extra cell, uh, to each side. And we've actually, we've got two sides. We've duplicated the two sides. Now, the reason we duplicated this is we put that down at an angle to get low sun angle. And uh, we need about 20 degrees of sun to make those cells work. Uh, so we have each side tilted at 45 degrees. Now, at 45 degrees tilt, the sun at the horizon, when it comes up, the sunrise comes up, it's well above 20 degrees. And as the sun goes up and hits the peak and then the sun comes down to sunset, these cells should pick up that sun from sunrise to sunset. Uh, another one that we did like this, uh, we, we actually saw, let's see if I think that's going to be Bill. Let's see if I can get Bill in here. So uh, another one we did like this uh, prior to this, uh, we were able to actually pick the sun up, useful sun up, two degrees below uh, the horizon. So you can see, an extra, and we, we added an extra cell because we wanted a little bit more voltage. Uh, uh, we're going to be running uh, a 100 milliwatt uh, power amplifier, you call that power, and uh, because of that, we added an, an extra solar cell in there. Normally, we run six, four or five. See, we got seven cells on there right now. So normally, we run about six cells. So here, we added an, an extra cell. We've got seven cells. And again, we duplicated it. And we duplicated that angle is because you, you never know which way this thing is aimed. Uh, so we had to duplicate the angles in case the sun is on the other side or in case that thing turns around. Now, you might ask, well, what if the sun's on the end? Well, there's a very small area right at the end where it doesn't pick up sun very well. But if it's, if it's coming in at any angle from the front or the rear, uh, those cells uh, in testing outside seem to pick up plenty of, uh, uh, plenty of sunlight to power. So we think we're in good shape with just uh, 245s right there uh, to, uh, uh, to power our PA. Now, uh, let's see. Let's do this. Let's take, a, uh, let's take just a, a quick break, and we'll be right back, and we'll finish up on this.
and uh, don't go away. So we'll be back, guys. Uh, see you in a minute. LDG Electric. Every amateur need, from QRP to QRO, fixed stations, portable and remote, an LDG tuner will match your radio to your antenna using our lightning-fast, proprietary tuning algorithms. LDG is a family-owned and operated company dedicated to bringing innovative, quality products to the amateur market. All LDG products carry a full two-year warranty that is fully transferable. Support is only a phone call or email away. We're always here to help you. Visit us on the web at ldgelectronics.com. Keep your competitive contesting edge with ICOM. ICOM's high-powered base stations cut through the pileups, letting you work the bands and record those contacts. Contest from the comfort of your home or remotely with the RS-BA1 app. The IC7851 gives you a new window into the RF world and is HF excellence unparalleled with faster processors, higher input gain, higher display resolution, and a cleaner signal. It is truly the pinnacle of HF perfection. It has dual receivers, digital IF filters, high resolution spectrum waterfall. The IC7610 is a direct sampling software defined radio that has changed the world's definition of an SDR transceiver. Features include RF direct sampling, 110 dB RMDR, independent dual receivers. Create your own band opening with the IC9700. This transceiver brings direct sampling to the UHF VHF weak signal world. This all mode transceiver is loaded with innovative features that are sure to keep you very busy. It has fast processors, higher input gain, higher display resolution, and a cleaner signal. Included are real-time high-speed spectrum scope and waterfall display, smooth satellite operation with 99 satellite channels, dual watch operation, and full duplex operation in satellite mode. The IC7300 is the high-performance innovative HF transceiver with a compact design, and it will far exceed your expectations. This innovative HF transceiver digitizes RF before various receiver stages, reducing inherent noise in different IF stages. The IC7300 changed the way entry-level HF is designed. Features include RF direct sampling, 15 discrete bandpass filters, a large 4.3-inch color touchscreen, real-time spectrum scope. For more information on ICOM radios, visit www.icomamerica.com slash amateur. All right. Well, I think, uh, I think we're back here. Uh, I was just talking with Bill. Uh, let me get... Let me bring your camera up. I was just talking with Bill there during our break there, and uh, we've got an opportunity to launch and fly a uh, uh, a tracker from Antarctica. If we can get one put together, uh, it will be taken down to Antarctica and fly there. And Bill, if you launch one down there, what's it going to do? Just kind of go around the pole? How long is it going to stay up? Um, all summer long. Their summer. Their summer. Uh um well last until april but uh, it could stay up uh all year long and show up again when the sun comes back to antarctica oh man so, that's that's right the sun it's, it's gonna be dark down there isn't it oh uh, well no this is gonna be uh, they're gonna launch it during the uh, summer so it'll okay. be a daylight all day long okay uh, you might want to do the pyramid uh, uh arrangement 
Yeah, that uh, adds so much weight. But uh, it's about yeah. well, it doesn't matter really because there are no um, convection storms, thunderstorms yeah. of any sort. It's smooth sailing, clear skies. Mm. <clears throat> All right, no storms. We to may uh, we may try to get something together. And uh, uh, we're putting. Uh, um, I'm building four whisper trackers. Um, <laughs> K4UAH is uh, the club at mm -hmm. the University of Alabama, Huntsville. Todd McKinney, KN4TPG, is actually flying down to the German Neumeyer station. Some of you may have seen DP0POL mm -hmm. on Whisper. Yeah. And that's an Antarctic station on Whisper, uh, and that's where he's flying. And uh, they typically send up a weather balloon. Uh, every so often, and uh, they can fly seven eco balloons for the amount of helium that is one in one of the small weather balloons. So they're very excited about the opportunity to send up some ham radio uh, flights over Antarctica. So yeah, I don't this know. This would be a real neat project. Don't know if you remember, we had a guy on here from uh, one of the that's right Antarctica yeah. stations here a while back, and. Uh, I think he could have got one in the Air Force. He said they had some helium down here. Uh, he may have had to uh, sneak a couple of shots of it. But anyway, hey, that sounds like interesting. We, we'll, uh, uh, oh man, okay. Yeah. He'll be down there a month uh, flying, uh, flying a Pico <clears throat> balloon every, uh, at least once a week, probably more. Uh, he says the more the merrier. You can send more than one down. Yeah, boy, they're gonna have to have kid gloves on to handle mine. It, 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 the ones no. you send down are probably gonna have those uh, little flexible cells on them, aren't they? That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you you got to really handle this one uh, with kid gloves, man. I'm, I'm talking baby gloves, man. Okay, but we hey, we'll try it. Well, maybe our You know, maybe you ought to change the cells, the panels out for uh, an Antarctica. That might that might be a better solution down there. Okay, all right. We'll uh, hey, we'll think about that. We'll try to get one down there probably. So I will. Hey, Bill, I'm talking about our uh, our our one thirteen. We're gonna gas it up tomorrow, and uh, we're gonna uh, probably launch it uh, uh, Thursday morning. And uh, I was showing everybody, you know, we're just using the uh, 45 degree here. That worked out really well for us. Last time we flew it, it, it picked up sunlight really, really low. I've tested it outside, and even off the ends, we get uh, quite a bit of sun. There's enough sun that comes in at an angle off the ends that if it hits both those sides, uh, we get we get plenty of voltage here, you know. So we're going to... Have we're you gonna, tried it with your power amplifier yeah i have in fact uh it's been sitting outside today with the pa on there and it's been clicking away and uh i even put it up in the uh, uh tree the other night now it, the, here's the problem to to get to get the double panels that's extra styrofoam that's that's eight that's 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 nine extra cells we're putting on this thing it's coming in heavy man it's coming in well what's that that's showing uh that's showing about ten grams. That's not right. That's showing about ten, but it's gonna. It's coming in at about eighteen grams. Uh, you can you can see it there uh, from the end. 
Uh, of course, we've got uh, shocky diodes that uh, block each side there to keep the voltage from trying to feed back to a, a dark side. Uh, so what I did, I put this together just on a little piece of cardboard. It looks really crude. It looks really crude, but I, I put the tracker on a piece of cardboard, and I, I put eight cells out there, and I got a current meter and a voltmeter connected, and I took it out in the sun, and uh, it... It it uh, it worked fine there. You can see there. In fact, that was low sun. Uh, I was seeing 3.6 volts, but you can see there at low sun we're getting about about 3.3 uh, volts, and that is uh, that's 119 milliamps there that uh, it was drawing. So um, we're gonna. I, I I we've proven that the cells can handle it. What is this right here? Oh. That's just a, a little uh, test setup. If you guys remember on a show uh, back in um, early summer, we uh, we built a little power supply with a little buck boost uh, uh, adjustment on it there, and that's it on top right there. You can actually turn that knob and adjust the voltage in one hundredths of a volt, and uh, that's been really good about uh, hooking it to the tracker. You know, you can turn it down to you know three point two, three point three, three point four. And you can look at the output, and uh, you can see the spectrum analyzer there. Uh, we're, we're showing right at uh, 10 milliwatts uh, output right there on the spectrum analyzer. Uh, Bill, one of my concerns is the spectrum analyzer is 50, 50 ohms, but when I hook it to an antenna, it's not 50 ohms. I know it's not 50 ohms, and I have really no idea what the real power is uh, there. I have tried to, um, let's see. You can get a comparison yeah. uh, on Whisper from the reception reports of, uh, I don't know if there's a way you could uh, operate one, uh, operate for a couple of transmissions directly from the uh, board, <clears throat> 10 milliwatts, 12 milliwatts, and then... Well, Kicking the power amp and then uh, <clears throat> seeing what kind of signal levels increase. I tried. Got. I tried to measure it with my scope. You know, the scope is very high impedance, a megohm or something. So, was it on an antenna and an antenna? And again, the antenna it would be on here would not be the antenna that's flying. So, but still, uh, you know, to to measure power with a scope, uh, I think the formula is uh, power equals e square over r. Uh, e square of r so um uh i think the e and i've never really done this before i think the e is rms voltage it's not peak to peak it's not peak i think it's rms if i'm not mistaken so i'm seeing my scope my new scope i've got this is great man i mean it, it reads the frequency and it says uh 3.51 volts peak to peak so so uh, to to get peak to to get RMS voltage from peak to peak, uh, you multiply that by 0.3535, and that gives you your RMS voltage. And then you got to square it. You square your RMS voltage, and you divide it by R, which is 50 ohms. And that would that came out somewhere around 30 milliwatts. And uh, I don't think that's what we're running. Uh, of course, the spectrum analyzer with a 50 ohm load says we're running closer to 100 milliwatts. So, uh, my my using my scope to measure it um, doesn't really prove any 
thing uh, there. Uh, so let's see. I've got. Uh, let me see. Let me see. Okay, I've got a short video here. It's about seven or eight minutes, uh, just to show people kind of what we go through. Oh, uh, here's a tracker. I, I tested it during the night just to see how the amplifier would do. If you look at the top right, you'll see a little silver circuit board. Uh, that's the PA. And then that big green thing, the green uh, breaks off, but that green is actually our tracker. I had to run it on batteries because uh, I was out under a tree and I ran it at nighttime. And even during the daytime under the tree, I get it, don't get any sunlight. So I ran it on three uh, knockheads there just to test. And uh, we got some great pickups with the PA on it there. So uh, let's see. And I just I just pulled that up under a tree uh, with the with a dock pole on it. Oh, there there's a picture of it well, on the scope here. If you look at it, there it, it's showing 14.1, which is the the real frequency is around 14.095 or so. But the scope showing 14.1, it's showing 3.53 volt peak to peak. So that's what I base that's what I base my calculations on. And I don't know if you heard me, Bill, but based on my calculations with the scope, uh, it calculates out of somewhere around 30 milliwatts instead of 100. The spectrum analyzer with a 50 ohm load is showing close to 100 so there, right. there's by the way uh one of your previous shows cost me more money did you order one of these oh look at there man look at there oh cool man hey hey join Bill. the club and i and, and hey i got a, i got an email today uh, from a guy up in uh tuland he said uh, he watched the show and he he ordered it that night and uh, he said he had his the next morning the next day so wow there's several people. And it wasn't we, long. It was yeah. Two days for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm still learning. And you know, Bill, it's kind of automatic. You know, you know, some of the older scopes, like I used to, you have to turn the time, you know, and bring the time down around to, you know, where you see the waveform. This thing's got an auto button on it. You hit it, and it'll automatically go there. Uh, which I don't know. Maybe that's been standard the last few years, and I'm just uh, old school. I don't. I don't know. But um, I don't remember that. That's a nice feature. But the yeah, auto—it's a far cry from the old analog scopes yeah, we had. Yeah, the auto function is just really neat here. Now I just got to figure much. out. I just got to figure out how to do some of the other things with it. You know. Uh, but anyway, that that's that's uh, that's on the scope here. Um, let's see. We you, were you need to get a commission, Tom. Yeah, yeah, deal. but I, I yeah, I, I don't think that's going to happen. So there you go, right there. That's got the uh, PA in it. It's got all the cells on it. It's got the tracker. Look at there, fifteen, fifteen grams, and you know our antenna system's got a, is going to be about two grams. So we're up right at eighteen grams, and I kind of hate the hate that uh, happens. But again, this is going to be a flight to an experimental flight. It may not stay up long. It may stay up a few days, I hope, a week. But this flight is this flight is to test the uh, low angle uh, cells, and it's also to test the PA. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping that the PA will just uh, burn up the sky, man. Hey, uh, I want to show you a little video I did on a balloon real quick uh, to, to show people what we kind of do to to the balloon and uh and uh, how we figure out you know how much gas and stuff to put in it here's a picture 
Here's a picture of the fill tube on a balloon. And Bill, man, that thing is scaring me. I'm looking at it again today. There ain't much there to seal up on the outside. I mean, you can do one little fold over. And I have been testing. I've been testing Gorilla Glue and Super Glue. I've tested. I've had a balloon here that I, I blew up. So I've been testing different glues on the material. And so far, they're not sticking very well at all. Uh, I'm going to go get some glue tomorrow uh, that it, it that I've used. It appears to work a little better. It's a two-part. It's got an activator and a, like a super glue and an activator. And it makes is it that stick. what you used on 112? I, I, I think it is. Yeah, I think it is. Uh, and I'm sure I didn't get it in there very good. So I, I, I want to make sure that we really seal this up. I don't know if you can see the, the tape there, Bill, but... I'm concerned. I'm concerned that tying our tracker on that little tab right there might come loose. Even even though we're going to tape it up good and everything, so I put another string on the balloon there using what is it? Cap cap caplon tape. My only concern with that yeah. <clears throat> is yep. that that balloon will start stretching, uh, <clears throat> and the tape will prevent it from stretching. <clears throat> could reduce a weak point on the balloon by doing that yeah i thought about that and actually the balloon is kind of stretched right there so i didn't put it on with right. it with it deflated but so that's up that could, yeah we'll that could produce a weak point we'll see what happens but uh that's about the only way to attach the string is to put it under something like that um and we'll use that string as kind of a backup string there uh let me. Uh, I've got a quick video here. I'm gonna. I'm gonna put on, and I'm gonna show you uh, uh, just quickly inflating this balloon, measuring the volume, measuring the pressure, and then how we get the air out. And uh, what was that, Bill? Nothing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see. Let me see if I can. Let me see if I can get this going here. And we can talk. Uh, we should be able to talk uh, as this thing is playing. My uh, computer's not responding very well. There we go. Let me get it back. Here we go. <clears throat> All right. Uh, so we should be able to talk over this. Getting uh, <clears throat> 113 ready to fly. <clears throat> We're going to blow this balloon up again. This one was pre-stretched uh, about a month ago, before Dayton, actually, and then put back in a package. I don't know if that damages it or if it helps it or hurts it. I have no idea. You never know if you're going to get a good balloon or not to fly that doesn't have defects. So we're going to be putting air in it just to expand it to see what kind of volume we can get. We're going to measure our pressure with our homemade uh, manometer. Basically, it's just uh, a water tube. Just a water tube, and we have a uh, adjustment knob here. We loosen this knob and slide slide this up and down to calibrate it. So we have the bottom of the ruler right on the top edge of that. So the pressure, the air pressure in the balloon, actually will come in, and it will push this water down and push this up right here, and we measure. We measure the distance here and we double it because you actually have to add the, the rise and you have to add the 
uh, fall. So they should be equal. So whatever we uh, whatever we read here, we will double it. So, for instance, if we uh, get uh, water column <coughs> up to four inches, that's actually eight inches, and eight inches is 0.288 uh, psi. Well, that's what we're going to do to uh, uh, measure the the pressure that we could get in the balloon <coughs> without bursting it. Uh, we probably need about 0.25. Uh, when it's flying. So we're going to try to test it up to around 0.4. Uh, so you can see our uh, our setup there and uh, let's put a little air in it. <clears throat> and we'll, uh, we'll discuss this. We're high pressure in. We've got a very small filler tube here so it's uh, not be much going in at all. That didn't go that fast, guys. I, I, I put it on fast forward. Five and a half would be eleven and, uh, inches right here.
102 inches, 102 inches, which is good. Uh, that makes the volume of this uh, balloon about uh, somewhere around point, somewhere around one fourth of a cubic uh, meter. So uh, that's going to be our starting point there. So we're going to stretch it out a little bit more. See if we can get a little bit uh, more uh, circumference, a little bit more volume there. Oh, uh, we got six inches, six inches of water column, double F, that's 12 inches of water column. 12 inches of water column is uh, about, about 0.4 PSI, so we don't want to go any higher with that. And um, we'll try to measure the circumference again. I think we picked up about an inch. Oh, we picked up about an inch. Yeah. The circumference there. Uh, about 102, about 102 inches. Uh, I don't want to push it, but uh, I would imagine uh, as we fly and as the hydrogen expands, uh, this is going to get a little bit larger to, to how much we don't know. But, uh, you know, maybe we'll get 103, 104, 105 inches of a circumference maybe. We're going to hold it right here and just let it sit like this for a while. So this is a this is a, a four door blue, meaning it's actually got four sides to it, and when that fills out, it fills out almost completely round. The, the balloons that we had been flying all these years basically were two boards, two sides, and they filled out like a pancake. So you said they fill out out like a pancake. They don't hold as much volume as one that fills out like a spear. A spear has a whole lot more volume than a pancake. The, each of the four doors is sealed here. Now you can't see it, but uh, and there's a uh, there's a seal there where they're, they're stuck together, and it is like it is like a, a hundredth of a millimeter. I mean, I don't know how that's holding up. Uh, but uh, obviously it is. But we'll see what happens. We're going to just leave the pressure, leave the pressure uh, up for a while and uh, just let the balloon kind of, you know, stretch itself for a day or two. We uh, we know we're around 102 inches, so we can do that and put that in our formula uh, to figure out our gas. So there we are. This is uh, KUV-113. We hope to launch it real soon. Hey, we have tested the balloon up to about a uh, little over uh, 0.400 psi uh, at uh, altitude. It's going to probably have a differential pressure about a 0.25 maybe. Anyway, we're going to try to suck all the air out now. Uh, our problem with this type balloon is the filler is very small. You can see it's 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 really really small here, and uh, this is going to be tough sealing. Well, we've got a piece of heat shrink tubing that's stuck inside here. I can feel the air coming out. So it's stuck in here. This is a self-sealing valve which collapses uh, when that tube's not in here. But we're going to try to glue it too. Uh, in addition, tie our string. We'll tie our string on this little tab right here in case it breaks off. We have added, uh, we're going to take our string here and you can see we've got it under some tape, some nice uh, tape here. 
that uh, hopefully will also be our backup holding it on. So what we're going to do, we're going to take our um, take our shop back, take our shop back here. We're going to slide this uh, slide this heat shrink tubing up in our shop back, and then what we're going to do, we're going to hold our hands uh, over. Uh, over this end here to kind of regulate how much uh, suction we get. So let's take some air out. We need to get every bit of air out. We don't, we don't want to leave any air in there at all. How long did that take, huh? Oh. Uh, it wasn't that fast. It, it probably took it probably took ten minutes at least, maybe longer. What was it, Bill? The last successful flight we had, a uh, UAH, uh, <clears throat> we tested the 0.4 psi. 0.4. That's that's where I typically go to with this. Uh, someone asked in the uh, chat room. <clears throat> I said, "Why don't you use a weather balloon? It's stretching. Right, it's just." Uh, wait a minute. Go ahead. We're getting uh, KB one thirteen ready to fly. Stop this. Hang on. Here we go. All right, you know, they said it's it's uh, flexible and stretch. Well, guys, uh, that won't work for this type of uh, balloon. Uh, we uh, this balloon is designed to fill up to a certain amount and stop stretching. It has to stop stretching, and uh, uh, when it stops stretching, that sets the altitude that it's going to fly at. If it keeps stretching, and we tried building balloons over the year, and that was a lot of fun, but uh, it was a disaster. Uh, uh, if a balloon keeps stretching and stretching and stretching, it keeps getting thinner and thinner and thinner, and it stretches more and more, and it gets thinner and thinner and so forth. So uh, I even contacted the balloon people that make the weather balloons, and they said they're, you know, their balloons are made to not last more than a day or two. Uh, they say they are made to dissolve or, or go bad under ultraviolet light. So... Uh, that would not work for us because we have a lot of high ultraviolet light up here, and we want this balloon to stay up like 112 has been up for four months now. Uh, the weather balloon, it's going to go up. It's going to go up maybe one day. It might last two days. Who knows? But it's going to just keep going up and up and up and expanding and higher and higher and expanding uh, till a point it pops, and then it's going to fall. And uh, uh, if, it, uh, if it doesn't pop because of pressure, it's going to pop because the UV uh, destroyed it. Uh, you, you got any thoughts about that, Bill? That's a good yeah. uh, we've had a latex weather balloon park itself at 120,000 <clears> feet <throat> for a day all night long. Uh, you can indeed float them for a day or two. Um, and they'll go hundreds of miles away doing that. Mm -hmm. um, but you had to, it takes special conditions to make it do that. You have to have a very light payload, very little 
positive lift and a big balloon. Um, we had one that was unintentionally uh, parked at 102,000 feet out of uh, Cleveland, Tennessee, and it ended up in uh, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And it went all night long, floating around 100 to 90,000 feet. It kind of bounced around in that range. But as soon as the, uh, after sunrise, the sun started uh, beating down on it again. And after about four hours, the UV degraded the uh, uh, latex <clears throat> and it popped. Yeah. Now, I had one flight out of San Francisco area, out of San Jose, K6RPT, flew it in December. So there's very short days and at fairly high latitude, and he uh, managed to get a two-day flight out of it and ended up in Morocco <clears throat> that's, out, of, uh, that's cool. out of a yeah. latex weather balloon. So that was <laughs> really the record for distance. You know, Bill, when we, uh, when we were trying to build some balloons, and we had some massive balloons we built in the garage, and we have some videos if you guys want to watch those, but we tried to use what the Japanese did during the Second World War, and that was to net take a net and enclose the balloon in a net to keep it from expanding. And if you can keep it from expanding, you can keep it from exploding. But, uh, uh, you know... Um, there was an excellent uh, presentation last weekend at the Near Space Conference in Poland, and uh, Dan Bowen, K2VOL, um, used to work on Project Loon, and Loon, that's exactly what they did. They had a plastic zero-pressure balloon. Well, it was a super-pressure, but they had ropes all the way around the balloon mm-hmm. envelope to make it look like a pumpkin, and you can um, yeah. handle a lot more pressure that way. And yeah. they were quite successful at it, but they worked at that quite a bit before they got to be Well, that would, hold, that would hold the pressure in and keep it from popping, but that does and not, allowed you that, to carry heavier payloads yeah, too. Yeah, that does not uh, that does not fix the UV light to that disintegrates the balloon. So no, well, no, that was uh, using. But they uh, were using a different material. Yeah. Plastic. yeah, yeah, they were using yeah uh, different material. So we thought about one time, you know, just netting a weather balloon, and we thought, well, you know, if we net a weather balloon, we might it might last a week, maybe, you know, and. You know, and we could net it a certain size, and that would pretty much, but you know, after we calculate the weight and, and volume, we'd know about where where it was going to fly. Now, 112 is one of the very first uh, Pico balloons that flew just really, really, really high. It, it even surprised us the how hiked it got. I thought we were going to fly about 48,000 or so, and I think we started off flying around 51,000. So that's the first time we have ever broke 51,000. Uh, or 50,000, but we found that there's very little air up there. There's not much air movement up there, and sometimes it goes the wrong way. Uh, At at 50,000 feet, we went all the way to uh, Japan and had just that much more to go on the map to get to the U.S., and that thing turned around, and it came all the way back to uh, California backwards. So we may hold the record of of, uh, the furthest distance flying backwards, you know. A retrograde orbit. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, uh, now, if you guys are interested, uh, you know, the weather balloon is, 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 the high altitude weather balloon is different than these, of course. 
And we did, uh, uh, Bill and I did one here uh, this summer where we sent up uh, one of the uh, uh, high-altitude balloons, the weather balloon. We sent it up to 108,000 feet and chased it. And we got a great video uh, where we chased it all the way from Tennessee uh, down to Mississippi. We were down there waiting on it, and Bill was helping to watch and give us directions, turn right, turn left. We were actually just about right under it. We made a wrong turn, or I think we could have probably caught it in our hands, but it went 60 miles and across two states when it came down, but uh, it popped at uh, 108,700 feet, I think, or something, and everything went perfect on that flight. Um, We had cameras. We had three cameras in there. We had GPS. We had multiple GPSs, uh, trackers, and... um, uh everything just went perfect and i'm afraid to try it again i i I, that was a nerve-wracking thing going after that balloon but the first one was easy because we the projected path by software showed us exactly the path it was going to go man it was so close and right about where it was going to land and uh but I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think we'd ever be lucky, that lucky again. It would come down in a swamp somewhere or in a forest and uh, we'd, we'd probably lose it. Well, you know, Chris is talking about the problem we had at, with that balloon on, on launch. is only 20% full, 20% full of gas, you know. And if we netted one, if we needed a balloon, what we would do, we would inflate that balloon to get the volume that we wanted to fly at. Uh, we would we would inflate it to say, you know, uh, you know, a half cubic meter with air, and we would build a a net that would hold it to a half cubic meter, and then we'd let the air out, and then we'd only put twenty percent hydrogen in, and of course, we would hope it would expand and fill out that net, you know, as it as it got up here. Oh, uh, let's see. Uh, let's see what we got here in the chat room. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, post a link here in the chat room uh, uh, for people to join us if they would like to join us here. Uh, again, if you have questions uh, about the forum we did last week, uh, feel free to come in and ask those questions. If you want to talk about balloons, uh, uh, feel free to ask that. You got Bill Brown. He's the expert with us here, and uh, I'll be glad to answer your questions. So there's the uh, there's the Zoom link. We're now going into the show after the show show. I had somebody complain one time. Two hour show is too long. He said, "You know, it's just too long." Okay, well we fixed that. <laughs> Amateur Radio Roundtable just ended. A little over an hour. Now we're in after the show show. So. Hey, this is just like real TV, right? We got after the show show starting right now. So come on in, guys. There's a there's a link and uh, join us with after the show show. While I'm waiting, let me just throw a little thing out there real quick. Let me see what I got going here. Uh, I want to check a couple things real quick. Um, yeah, all we need now is a blooper reel, and we got it made. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Okay. So, um, uh, again, if you're new to the show here, we, we, uh, we got a, we got somebody, we got, we got, is it Bill? Yeah, we got Bill. We got Bill. 
So, hey guys, uh, come on in here, join us on Zoom. Uh, very informal. You don't even have to talk if you don't want to or ask questions. That's that's okay. Uh, uh, hey, if you're out there, hit the hit that uh, hit that <coughs> subscribe button right there. Hit the subscribe button, and uh, it'll help us greatly uh, to uh, promote our channel. <coughs> We'd like you to do it. Join our Facebook group. It's called W5KUB. We got over thirteen thousand hams in it. You can uh, listen to our show. The show is simul not simulcast, but broadcast in its entirety on WBCQ on Thursdays from five to nine p.m. Eastern Time. On WBCQ on seventy four ninety up in uh, uh, Monticello, Maine, and uh, uh, there. Hey. There's a picture of it right there, July. Look what it looks like. Man, I wouldn't live up there for nothing, Glenn. Look, look at July up there. Oh, I love it. Look at that, man. At least it'd be cool, right? July down here, we got 110. I was going to say, compared to this summer 90%, last year, I'd take at, le that at least there, snow. we could throw some snowballs, right? Okay. Hey, Ann, Ann, we do have people that have sent me emails. We do have people out there that are listening on podcasts. We're carried by iTunes, Google Play. Uh, iNet Radio, just about all the big uh, 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 um, podcast carriers carry us out there. Um, I think we've had something like 50,000 downloads off of our podcast, so uh, it's, it's running real good. Well, that was just me. I was just oh, was testing. that you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, or, or, or Rodan or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just put it on a link. Put it on a link and let the cat put some catnip or something on it, where they just keep touching it. You know. Oh, oh yeah, that's pretty much what they do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, hey, that's the deal, and I'm sticking to it right there, man. Okay. Well, all right. We got it. We got to wake up out there. I know there are people out there that have questions who would like to show us something, but they're not not coming on here. Let's see. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, I want to welcome uh, uh, back in here, Rich uh, W9TIT up at the Wisconsin. I think it's Wisconsin Military Academy. <clears throat> They uh, a lot of times they'll put us up on the big uh, you know thirty foot uh, screen there in the auditorium and uh, the cadets will watch our show. Maybe they'll maybe they'll learn something up here you know. Maybe they'll learn how to fly a balloon. You know you know Bill I've got a that last balloon we flew. I think it was a thousand gram balloon, and uh, I've got a six hundred. 600 gram weather balloon here i thought about trying to fly but again it won't stay up very long um all right yeah, come I mean, on that's that's yeah, another thing king of jersey i've got all gonna... kinds of balloons here yeah yeah <clears throat> i was gonna say though that's impressive that these cheap little chinese balloons that you've got do 120 days without degrading in the uv well, hard to say what's going on up here. <laughs> the ants are partying is what they're doing, man. Yeah. You know, we lost them for that week up in uh, the Arctic. Uh, it didn't scare me too much because over the years, I've seen many of these go silent for, 
you know, maybe a month and then pop back out. And uh, I knew where we were headed. The last report showed us heading up there. And and then when you look at the no, sun it's angle. Very rare, but yeah. It's very rare, but you can actually cross into the southern hemisphere during certain times of the year and certain conditions. Yeah. Um, the, the German um, flight, NOB 34, I think it is. Um, it was. It did about eight laps in the Northern Hemisphere, launched from Germany, and then all of a sudden it showed up going across Argentina and Australia, and it's been down there for the last few months. Yeah, that's uh, that's really unusual. We we got real close to the uh, we got really close to the uh, equator one time within just fifty miles, I think, but we never crossed it. Be, I've uh, crossed it, cool. uh, but usually when you get down around the equator, that's the kiss of death because <clears throat> that's the worst storms and the highest storms. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, uh, and that, that's another thing. You know, I, it, at the beginning of the show, I talked about it takes luck. Uh, uh, you can do all you want to, but if you don't have luck, boy, it, it ain't gonna stay in the air. But uh, we've been very lucky on this flight. Uh, when you look at uh, some of the uh, weather uh, websites that show the storms, it seems like, man, like Bill said, from the equator down, man, you get around uh, India and, and over there in the Philippines and that area, man, I mean, it is like wall to wall. It looks like it looks like landmines everywhere, man. It is, they're so solid over uh-huh. there. And then above that equator, it's uh, mm-hmm. almost almost nothing up there. So, uh, but we're moving into, well, we're moving into winter now, so we should have, you know, not as many storms. Well, they say any month with an R in it are the <clears throat> best time is to make it around the world. And so we're well into that now. This is the the perfect time to uh, to launch as long as you avoid uh, the hurricanes. But uh, this is the perfect time to start thinking about uh, doing a flight. November 1st is really the ideal time to to launch something. You know, and then when you get that 51,000 feet to start with, you're pretty much above all the weather to begin with. So, Bill, uh, our our tracker, our balloon we send down to the Antarctica, I, I guess they want a balloon with it too, right? Uh, I think they'll be supplying the balloons. You think but if you want to pre-inflate one and uh, test it, they they won't say no. Yeah, as long as they have. They have a lab where they're uh, inflating, pressure testing them. <clears throat> uh, they have a big lab in the UAH where they're pressure testing these balloons just like you do. Are they doing big balloons or little well, balloons? Well, no, I mean, the, the ones that we have. Yeah, Those Yokohama yeah. ones. Yeah, I might need to send them a piece of heat shrink to slide in there. <laughs> that is a small filler hole, man. Uh, I've been using the um, polystyrene <clears throat> tube from uh, Sprue Brothers. And yeah. You can get them from eBay, too, or Amazon. Yeah. Uh, it's, um, what's the name of that company? Um but anyways, it's uh, about a foot long, and it's very small diameter. But the coating, the uh, polystyrene, is very slippery and smooth, so mm-hmm. it goes in and out of the uh, <clears throat> that nozzle beautifully. Yeah. But I have to run a little uh, narrower di- diameter tubing 
uh, than I typically use for those pancake. Uh, yeah, I've got one of those, and it just won't go in there. It takes something small. No, no, that those are yeah. too big. Uh, yeah. I, uh, let me see what <laughs> diameter I use. <clears throat> Man, I found that little piece of heat shrink, man, it just slides right in and you know, I mean it's it's not it's not solid, so if it needs to collapse a little bit it can and it, it works really well. <clears throat> All right, come on, we need some more people here. Where's Charlie then in uh, Uruguay? Charlie, you know, we need to get we need to get some more people in the room. There's a link, uh, join the link right there. <clears throat> Bill's being awful quiet tonight. Yeah, he, he is. He, he, I, I was just going to ask a question, that's all. Yeah. Well, you have to raise your hand first, and then you can oh, ask your question. Oh, when excuse we acknowledge me. You. Excuse me. Stand by. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 uh. There you go. Yes. <laughs> all right. What you need, Bill? All right. Uh, I want to ask a question. Uh, well, uh, yeah, Bill has... That it's five and three, uh, five and three, 30 seconds. Five, five thirty seconds, tubing. That's the outside diameter. Yep. Point one five six, <clears throat> and it's Evergreen is the company that makes this tubing, and that's the part number <clears throat> EVG O two five. You can find them on Amazon and eBay. They they come five to the pack, and they're about a foot long. This is this is what I use for those. Okay, so Bill is wearing his Navy hat tonight. I need to go. I, I, I need to wear my Air I Force to, hat. I, I need to say something. All What's right. Um, I've been volunteering at the uh, Vietnam Moving Wall uh, for three weeks now. <clears throat> yeah. And, and, and I, they gave me my 50 year pin of being a Vietnam veteran. Very cool. That's cool. That's and fun. they they held this ceremony. There was like nine of us. They just lined us up in a row. <laughs> well, that's because they could. Well, at least at least when they together. lined you up, they didn't shoot you. I'm glad they gave that's you that right, that award right, right but there. They, there was a <clears throat> marine major uh, that was in charge of the ceremony there, and mm -hmm. he he went down and shook our hands and. Uh, gave us the pen and said thank you for your service and I said it was my pleasure sir <laughs> very cool uh, Bill, right. when I was clearing out my uh, barn up in Ohio my dad's barn I found a duffel bag uh, and it was a navy duffel bag and there were three uniforms in there rolled up neatly <clears throat> hats and pants and shirts just as neat as neat as could be from World War II from 1945. Wow. Lord. It was my dad's uh, Navy uniform from World War II. Holy and it was shit. been in the barn for 70 years, just all wrapped up in the duffel bag. Wow. I, I tell you, I mean, hey, 70 years is not that long. I mean, uh, let me tell you, I, I, I've got a duffel bag. I got out a year or two ago out of the attic and uh, can't believe it, but man, I, hey. It was 50 years ago when I was in. 50, man. But anyway, hey, let's do this. So Bill wore his hat tonight, Navy. I need to go get my Air Force hat. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> I'm going to ask a question in the chat room. My, here's, here's what I'm thinking, Glenn. I'm thinking that 
the majority of people are going to be Navy. You know? And then I'm thinking Army is going to probably come second in there. I may have a few of my Air Force buddies in there. I don't know. But Marines, I, Marines may come third. I don't know. As far as the number reporting here tonight. So let's do this. I want to see in a chat room. How, uh, tell us, tell us uh, what branch of service have you served? Navy, Army, Marines, Air Force. I'd like to uh, see. I think the majority of them are going to be Navy. Uh, I think the majority are going to be Navy, and uh, I got to, I got to, I got to, I got to tell us one more time. And I, I know I did it on the show one time, but we probably have some new people that didn't hear it. So uh, I was reading last month the DOD did this. Uh, uh, they did a uh, survey. Uh, of military people and they asked uh, uh they had a navy guy they had an air force guy a marine and they had an air force guy and they asked a the question if you went in your tent and there was a scorpion in there what would you do now i'll tell you what the army uh, solution is what would the army do stop it yeah, the army would st- the army would stop it. The army would stop it. What would the navy do? Oh, they'd drown it. Well, they'd they'd, they'd do something with it. They'd probably get an ashtray or something and kill it. I mean, they'd kill it, right? Okay. What would a marine do to it? Now, this is a scorpion. This is a scorpion. Here's a scorpion in his tent. What would a marine do? Eat it. Uh, he would just tear the legs off. He with his mouth, he'd just eat it. Now, do you know what the air force guy would do? You know what I would do? He'd run screaming from the tent and look for no, the No, 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 no. I would pick up the phone. I'd call the desk downstairs and ask them what a tent's doing in my room. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see what we got here. Wow. Hey, so far, I don't have anybody in the chat room that's sitting There's one guy, Eric. Let's see. He just said, go Navy. Well, I'll, I'll tell you... Uh... I, I, I didn't serve, but uh, I worked in the Army Research Center developing things, uh, electronics and gizmos and stuff that they didn't tell me what it was that I was building. Uh, but uh, we went out to do a test in uh, Utah, the desert of Utah, and we put one of the boxes of equipment underneath the RV that we were using for the vehicle. To keep it out of the hot sun, because the Utah desert during the summer gets pretty hot. So when we came back and started unloading stuff in Huntsville here, we opened the lid of the box, and there was a big old scorpion just sitting in there, ticked off, having ridden all the way back from Utah to uh, Alabama. (laughs) And so uh, the guy who was the lead of our project was wearing army boots and he flipped that scorpion out of the box onto the concrete floor, and to this day, there's still a grease spot in the shape of a scorpion where he stomped it. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right, the king of Jersey. We got one guy here, one guy with Navy. Let's see, I need to mark. I'll, I'll mark Bill down. That's two Navy. All right, that's two Navy. Come on, I know there's got to be some Air Force people in here. Come on, hey, hey, guys, help me out here. Well, tell they me, saw me them. coming and canceled the draft. So, well, they, they saw me coming. That's what started the draft, man. 
I was actually in the lottery uh, <laughs> when the Vietnam War was was, was going on, and uh, you know, my cousin had a low number and went in, and I had a high number, so. I yeah. think that was the last year of the draft. <clears throat> oh, I love what Eric had to say in the chat room. All the Air Force guys and girls are asleep. It's past their bedtime. Well, hey, you know. Whoa. That's all right. That's all right, man. Everybody, everybody's got to sleep, you know. <laughs> and the comfy five-star barracks, hotel rooms. Uh, okay. So, without um, tents. Uh, B- Bill Brown, I have a question for you, sir. Okay, uh, the current balloon that Tom is flying, okay, it started out in excess of 50,000 feet, okay? And as it was going along, you know, it started dropping down to, I don't know, 43,000, something like that, okay? And then, I don't know, it hit a a pocket of air or something, and the next thing you know, it's up at 46,000 I mean, well, that that has a lot to do with uh, with the uh, location in the world and the uh, the pressure of the environment where you're at. Uh, whether it's a high pressure or low pressure weather system, it can vary three thousand feet depending on whether you're in a low pressure zone or high pressure zone. Um, so that's a lot of the variance. Now he's probably lost a little bit of lifting gas. Uh, but um, it's back up again around 48,000 feet. Yeah, so if, I, I, if you were to come that. back down into low latitudes, like uh, back to Tennessee, it very well could be around 49 or 50,000 feet because the, uh, the height of the atmosphere for a given pressure is lower as you get up towards the poles. Well, that's what I thought. It was the barometric mm. pressure there. The but then you've got... You've got atmospheric, um, you know, weather phenomena through different high and low pressure zones. So that it, it, this is a constant pressure balloon. So whatever the pressure is, that's where it's flying, and that's the altitude for that given pressure. It will stay. Okay. I just more. I was just curious. You know, I, I noticed that it was going up and down. And up if you and down, look at uh, mm-hmm. there's sites where you can get radio. <laughs> on data from weather balloons that are launched twice a day from all over the world. And if you look at sites in the southern U.S. versus ones in northern Canada, for a given pressure, you can see the altitude, and you'll see the difference. Thank you, sir. Yeah, I think they got the wrong bill, the science guy on TV. We got the best one. I'm Bill Brown. I'm Bill Brown, the science clown. Oh, Oh, well, that sounds rehearsed. You've been called that before. I have. (laughs) He's he's not exploding balloons uh, in in a, um, I guess you'd say a a controlled manner. Right. Yeah. Oh, I like that hat, Tom. I like that hat. Everybody's going to run for theirs, and I don't have one. What is that? 
Look at that. Yes, sir. That's my ranch. Oh. Let's say other one. Oh. That Bill ran to get his. Guess he's going to get his NASA hat. I was going to get my dad's hat. Ah, there you go. From the Navy, but it's at my other house. Ah. Here's my other hat. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, Bill. I, I pull that duffel bag. I don't think anything fits anymore. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's it, amazing how small you were. You know, when when you were over there. You know, I was uh, I was skinny. I was little. I was skinny. When I when I took my physical, listen to this, guys. I I was a runt, man. When I took my physical, you had to be a hundred and twenty pounds to pass the physical. They gave you two rolls of quarters for your pockets. And I, 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 man, I clocked in here physical. I clocked in at 119, man. <laughs> but they took me anyway. Oh, oh, well, we had we had somebody come in. I think it was like 118 and a half. And the recruiter told them, "Go home and eat peanut butter sandwiches all weekend, and come back and see me on Monday." <laughs> well, you know. You know, hey, you could drink a gallon of water. That's eight. Yeah, that's eight pounds right there. Yeah, you well, go out to the water fountain, yeah. and you know, of course, I don't. I'm not sure anybody with the Vietnam War going on really heavy right then. I don't know if anybody's just really wanting to just get in, but you know. Oh, Papa loves you, right there. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's just decided tonight she's going to be a pest. She slept all through the show, and then now it's. Close to the end of the show, and she's got to be the pest. You actually had Godzilla in here earlier, too. Oh, Lord. Well, Eric, Eric <laughs> that, says... That's strange. <laughs> Eric says here, he's found the prettiest girls were in the Air Force. Let me tell you, hey, when I was in the Air Force, there weren't any girls in the Air Force. Hmm. There weren't any. I'm not sure what year they... Uh, Oh, uh, let's see. Probably the seven, probably late seventies. Yeah, I was going to say because uh, let's see, seventy seventy four. I was at Naval Air Station Fallon, and we had four females uh, in in the admin department. Yeah, what year was that? Seventy uh, seventy four. Yeah, that's probably just about when they, you know. And then I went to uh, I went to Dam uh, in Virginia Beach in '75, and there was uh, it was sixty over forty. <laughs> yeah, see, I got I got out in '73. I was uh, still in yeah. high school. I got out in '73. What you was what doing? <laughs> I was still in. I didn't graduate in high school until seventy five. What did it do? Keep Lord setting you back. I'd, I'd already gone through three years of college and finished there. Four years in the Air Force, man. Golly. Well, you they must have kept setting sending you back or something. No, actually, I've never got to. I was a year early. In fact, is that right? Gee, yeah. Weird. Eric in the chat room. He was born in seventy seven. <clears throat> oh man. Yeah. All right. Yeah, but well, the scary part is I've been a ham since like '73 or '74, so I'm I'm going on you know 50 years as a ham. 
Yeah. Or you can join the quarter. Uh, what is it? The court? Uh, no, I can no. join the half century. Half century. <clears throat> wireless. I, I could too. Yeah. I'm a member of the half century wireless. Now, I'll tell you a little bit of uh, military trivia. Did you know um, there was a ham radio operator who pushed the button to fire the very first Trinity atomic bomb test? No. Hmm. He was a good friend of mine, uh, also one of the pioneers developing slow scan television. Oh, cool. I love slow scan. It was uh, Don Miller. Whiskey 9, November, Tango, Papa. He was big in amateur television and slow scan, but he was uh, with Cop Form, Cop Thorn McDonald. Uh, he was uh, uh, one of the pioneers of slow scan nice. and uh, had a business selling slow scan equipment and fast scan TV. Oh, equipment. yeah. I uh, loved yeah. slow scan back in the day with those old robot. The P7 phosphors. Yeah. uh, So um, Don and I go way back, um, not as far as World War II, obviously, but um, he uh, walked, he was on the Manhattan Project, and he walked into Oppenheimer's office and said, I hear you're going to test the gadget soon, and I can rig up a remote um, uh, link via RF so that you don't have to run miles and miles of cable to uh, to ignite it. And so Oppenheimer gave him the job, and he went down to Alamogordo and set up a remote uh, link from a Jeep near the uh, bunker. And he said he walked out, pushed the <clears> button <throat> in the Jeep, ran back to the bunker, and uh, a few, about a minute later it ignites, and then... He walked back out and took a, his friend took a brownie photograph of the explosion, and it actually worked better than some of the high-speed cameras. Wow. And, um, but he had that photograph in his, uh, on his wall for many years. Mm, very uh, cool. And they were the first people to be knocked down by an atomic blast. They were actually saw a wall of dust heading for them, and the uh, Oppenheimer, Fermi, and General Groves were shouting at them to get back in the bunker, and they couldn't make it, and they got knocked down by the blast. Mm. And, you know, he was healthy <clears throat> until the age of 92, uh, healthy as a horse, never sick a day in his life. Wow. That's just too cool. And he was on the bikini atoll test pulling... Uh, equipment and high-speed cameras off of these sinking ships that they put out there to see how the ships would handle the uh, blast. And I said, what did they use for uh, protect you from the radiation? And he says, they gave us coveralls and they burned them afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they didn't know about radiation back then. No, they didn't. He uh, had one of the, uh, he pulled a ship's um, comm unit out of a Japanese destroyer, which is one of the captured ships that they used in the test. And he had it up on a shelf and he had a Geiger counter and he put it up next to that radio handset and it pegged the meter. Oh, wow. And he had a piece of Trinitite. You know what Trinitite is? Yeah, that's the... You uh... sand in the Trinity site. Right. Uh, caused by the blast, and he put the Geiger counter next to that, and it pegged it. 
Oh, gosh. Hmm. And that was 70 years later. <laughs> That's but, amazing. Uh, yeah, it doesn't go away life. that fast. <laughs> he was a real-life Indiana Jones. He collected <laughs> artifacts from all over the world. And um, it's just amazing, amazing fellow. But, oh, man. Uh, uh, he passed away in his early 90s. But I've <clears> been <throat> friends with him for many years. But he's got quite a... I've got a lot of photos of his little private museum he had there. It's just too cool. All right. Anybody else want to join us out there? Here's the link one more time. We need some new people in here. <clears throat> Somebody come in with an interesting story. I mean, I have interesting stories, but I think a lot of them are still classified. Yeah. Because I spent uh, seven years down at Pratt Whitney Aircraft uh, Government Products Division, and that's where they did all the research for the SR-71, <clears throat> F-14, 15, and 16 uh, engines. We got all the data acquisition on the engines while they were doing all the research back then. I saw two SR-71s in a hangar at Dryden. Oh, man. California, <clears throat> the, the NASA Dryden Center. And uh, they were used for their high-altitude research there. And uh, they had big pans underneath the uh, the birds. And I said, what are these for? He says, to catch the fuel yeah. that leaks out of the tanks. Because uh, they're designed that when they take off, they dump all kinds of uh, fuel on the runway because it takes, they've got to heat up to seal up. Yeah. I mean, it, it's mm -hmm. truly amazing. Those things just leak like a sieve when they're on the ground. But uh, to test it, they actually had a, uh, they had to feed the jet with a ram, it was a ramjet engine, so they actually had a turbojet uh, ahead of it to actually compress the air to feed it for the ground testing. Yeah, that was that was so, and that that engine was like maybe a hundred, two hundred feet behind my office. There, I was inside the computer room. So whenever they ran that thing up, the ground would shake. You know, just everything uh, would rattle off the shelves. They had one doing a ground test of a million pound thrust engine that blew up, and uh, was that Crossfield? Uh, and he was fine. He was in the cockpit, but the oh. engine completely blew up the whole back part of the of the uh, aircraft was gone wow and they rushed out and got him out of the cockpit and he was fine <clears throat> yeah we we blew up a number of them while i was there you know because they had like 10 test cells and it was pure research so you know they were pushing them to the limit all the time and uh yeah they had one where the compressor blades kind of spun out to the side kind of, just kind of like a a loose saw blade on a circular saw just kind of came out the side of the engine but uh, that was actually one of my most favorite jobs of all time because we were doing data acquisition i think it was like 800 channels of analog to digital data acquisition on the on each engine and we were the, the front line data acquisition folks and then we'd 
compress it and whatnot and send it on up to the main building five miles up the road. And then we had uh, Sikorsky uh, Flight Research was there on the ground. They built the Blackhawk and did all the, te- not built it, but they did all the test flights for the uh, Blackhawk while I was down there. And you'd only see it at dusk and dawn so that it avoid the Soviet uh, satellite overpasses. Every morning you'd be driving into work and you look over and there's a Black Hawk hovering about 10 feet off the tarmac. <clears throat> yeah, that was a lot of fun for that job. You never knew what was going to happen next. And we were in the middle of the Everglades, so invariably they'd close off the uh, main entrance to the computer room and you'd have to go in the back door because an alligator had crossed up from the lake behind and he couldn't cross the fence. So he was stuck at the fence, and the fence was right at our front door. So there'd be a big sign, don't use front door, you know, use the back, and you'd walk around to the viewing window and watch this very angry gator uh, trying to get to the other side of the road, and he couldn't, and he was not real happy. So they'd get a guard to come down and open up the gate, and then they'd get like a piece of 20-foot all-thread rod, shove him out out the gate. Mm. That was a lot of fun, though. Well, guys, where is everybody tonight? Where's Charlie? I miss Charlie. He was in the chat room a little while ago. Charlie in there? Yeah. All right, I got to ask, M7XGR, why do you have a Geiger counter right next to your bed? That's different. That's Bruce. Yeah. You know, why, why do you need a Geiger counter in your bed? You know, nuclear-powered remote control for the TV, maybe. Well, <laughs> he may have a he may have one of those clocks that the hands glow. There you, you know. go. Yeah, those old radium clocks. Yeah. I mean, I grew up with the Timex with the radium dial. You know, dear God, you know, <laughs> how much radiation did I take on my left arm? I don't know. Actually, it's kind of cool with the glow-in-the-dark, you know, watches back then, though. I so, didn't realize they were going to make me glow-in-the-dark, too. So what do they use now, like in these new cars, you know, in the trunk? Uh, they, they, that thing, the handle glows, that release handle? No idea. I wonder what they use to make it glow. Uh, some kind of phosphorus or something, I guess. It, I don't well, know. phosphorus man. would have to charge in daylight. Yeah, yeah I'm just wondering. I, I I guess if you open a trunk, it maybe if it charged fast, but I don't, I don't know. know. I don't that'd know, be man. something. That'd be something fun to research. <clears throat> oh, um, WD8IOL says it's tritium. Tritium. Hmm. But isn't that radioactive too, or is it super low-level radiation? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not a scientist, so I have no clue. You'll have to... No, that's all he knows, too. Yeah, we're going to have to go Google it. You'll have to <laughs> operate your balloons with tritium there. Uh, <laughs> uh. Yeah, glow, so they'll glow in the dark? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm just amazed that it's gone 115-something days. That's just still have a amazing. New, still have a wristwatch that I got in the uh, 60s that the it's... 
got the radium dials on them. Exactly. I mean, I was given one as a kid. That was my favorite watch, man. I won it for selling the most band candy in high school. Oh, wow. Now, I, it was a Christmas present to me in like 64, 65, <clears throat> something like that. Maybe even that less. about when I got this. Yeah. And I really love that. You know, the glow in the dark was just the right brightness, the right color, the right everything. I just didn't know it was going to make me glow with it. That's right. I've actually so, got one of those clocks that projects on the ceiling now, so I don't have to roll over and look and see what time it is. I just open my eyes and look up. So, hey, Bill, if we send a balloon down here, are they going to know how to seal it? Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. They've been flying a bunch of these. Okay. I think that would be cool to fly it out of Antarctica. <clears throat> I may try to use a different solar cell. Those little, uh, those cells like you you fly, um, I can get a five. I can get a five volt easily if I like five volt, volt fifty milliamp. But they don't put out enough current to. Uh, uh, they uh, put out four point eight volts. Yeah. at about uh, under load about. 50 milliamps. Yeah, I've tried those on this little tracker, and it wouldn't put out enough to run it, so that's the reason I went to others. You would need, you need uh, to, at least, yeah. Yeah, yeah you need them in... Um, now, they they, 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 they make a they make a bigger cell. I mean, you can you can get well, more, more I, capacity. I, I run two of them in parallel. Uh, yeah. The 3.6 volt ones. Yeah. I get, I get four and a half volts at uh, yeah, yeah. I get four and a half volts, but I'm drawing thirty milliamps. Yeah, first. yeah. The four point eight volt that I've got, those that I've got, they, they won't run it. So, well, they won't run your just your regular board by itself without the PA. Nope, nope. They're not. They don't have enough current. That's odd because you aren't drawing any more current than my boards do, and it draws uh, about. It draws uh. It draws about 60 milliamps. It draws about 60. Oh, mine only draws 30. Yeah, here's yeah. Uh, here's some 4.8 right here. Yeah, I run two of those. These are the thin ones. So look, you can get the same 4.8. You can get the same 4.8 in the uh, UV one right here. This one weighs. This one weighs maybe a little over a gram. You take the same one here that's UV. It's four grams. It, it, it's like four or five grams. I mean, it is heavy. Right. Yeah, yeah. So you don't need that. Yeah, these wouldn't run it. Um, so in did you run them in parallel? Yeah. Well, I well that was with some other trackers. Yeah. Uh, but I haven't run any with this. With, with I haven't run any run of these. Sixty milliamps, but it'll yeah. run thirty. Yeah, I haven't run any of these with this tracker here. So oh, okay. I've got some. Let me see what I got here, man. This I mean, the the uh, original ICT tracker drew about thirty milliamps. Well, uh, just sitting there idle, it draws twenty-seven, and when it goes to transmit, it draws about sixty. Is what I'm seeing. I've got I got some of these. Look at this. Well, you're not turning off your GPS then. Maybe not. Because when you transmit, it should be this pretty much the same. 
if you turn the GPS off. Maybe. Look at this. I wonder what are these those are. Are the flexible solar panels? Yeah, these are these are flexible. What are they uh, rated at? I don't know. I don't know. But based on, well. Because they make bigger. Yeah, based on, um, yeah. Looks like it's it, got the same It, it looks this. like. Um, it looks like uh, one. Looks like. Three times the capacity. Yeah, the one. Well, that one ought to do it. Two, it's three. Yes, yeah, three. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll <laughs> Yeah, but that sucker probably heavy though. Well, weight's not that big a concern in Antarctica. Yeah, these are. Uh, they've got a peel-off back on them. They're 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 sticky. Did you get those from Power Film Solar? Uh, that looks like who made them. Somebody just sent me these, but they, they look like the same Power Film. You know. Do you have a model number on those? Those might be the ones they use for uh, aircraft, model aircraft. No. They had some UAVs where they had the, the adhesive back on them. Yeah, yeah. This has got the little sticky back. You just peel it off and okay. pop it right on. Now, would you need a, the, the Styrofoam? You, well, you, you got to hold them somehow. I mean, you gotta, uh, I just put mine on a little piece of uh, brass tubing. Yeah, I mean, you got to have something to hold them for sure. Because I was going to say that might even lighten you up a little bit more if you didn't have to use the styrofoam. Well, I, I tell you, styrofoam is about the lightest thing man makes. I I have weighed just about everything here and. Uh, I mean, I've got styrofoam that's so light it almost floats. I have to weight it down. A styrofoam ha- it, it it has practically zero weight to our to our trackers here. Yeah. Well. Well, uh, that that looks like an interesting one if you've got the specs on it. That looks like what? I'll look, I'll look, on, I'll look on their website and see if yeah, I can find that one. Looks like three. Uh, so I guess that would. So that's probably. Uh, that's probably that may mils. be it may be like four point eight volts at one hundred and fifty mils. Yeah, probably that ought to do it. Yeah, yeah. How much does that weigh? Oh, that's pretty, pretty heavy. I've got weigh it. You know, I've ordered some of these little cells. They're like, but they're heavy. You know, they're they're like plastic or oh, something. Yeah, or, yeah you know, I've got some of those. They're very yeah. Heavy. I, I I ordered these just to see how how much they weighed because I think this is a three volt. This is a three volt, one hundred and fifty milliamp. But yeah, but, but it's heavy. 20, 20 grams. <laughs> it's heavy. Yeah, it's heavy. Let me see what one of these weighs. Uh, let's just check it out here. <clears throat> All right. This is going to weigh in at. Woo! Seven, you 17 got, and a half. Yeah, but you got that adhesive. Bag yeah, here. but that's pretty thin. I don't know. A 17 and a half. But you, so. don't need, you don't need all that. They yeah. make 
one that's just the panel. Yep. That, yep. That's higher current. That's all you need. These UV ones right here, these suckers, they're they're very heavy. That's that's almost five. I made one out of those. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the customer wanted one of them specially made, and I yep. told them how much that it would add eight grams to the payload, and they didn't care. So. Right. So I did, but it was heavy. Can you so tell I've it's got... time for the show to end? Say what? Yeah. It's about time the the attention getters coming. Yeah, yeah it's about time. I am, being, yeah, I am being told it is time to go get a treat. Yeah, yeah it's Uh-oh. about time for popcorn too, or something here. That's what it is. She, she yeah. I go out and sit in my chair, and she lays in my lap yeah. while I have my popcorn. Hey, uh, so let me just say thanks to all you people out here to watch tonight. Thank you if you've been listening on Shortwave on WBCQ seventy four ninety. We will see you next week. Tuesday, tune in to our live video show Tuesday night, 8 o'clock p.m. Just go to W5KUB.com. We've got a chat room here. Shoot us an email. Let us know where you are and if you're hearing us tonight. See you later. Good night, everybody. I need to load up some videos here for, for the. There we go. So you're saying I can ask this cat any question? The cat is connected to the computer. You just type his question. It will read his mind. There the answer comes. You're the man. I've been looking for this for weeks. All right, what's going on here? Something's stuck. Uh oh. Something is stuck. Let's see, that's working. That's working. That's working. In other words, we have to stay here for the next 24 hours until it gets unstuck? Yeah. Is this like Groundhog Day? Wonder why that's not working. Wonder why that's not working. Like that Twilight Zone episode with the guy with the stopwatch, they can stop time around him. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. My, uh, then working. he drops the stopwatch and breaks it, and he's stuck. That's actually one of my favorite movies was The Girl, The Gold Watch, and everything. Oh. All right. Well, anyway, hey. That one. Thanks, uh, uh, thanks everybody. Thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for the chat room. I'm in for you. Uh, let's see. I'm on computers. Yeah, it's one of those campy 70s movies. Oh. But, uh, yeah, the title is The Girl, The Gold Watch, and Everything. And All right. We, we, about we, a guy who had a watch that could stop time. We're terminating right. the webcast right now.